Three. We are back in the football shed. Uh, my name's John Hewitt. I'm here. Uh, Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is not here. Roger Gibbs has a soil emergency, I think. Soil. Soil. Contaminant. Business, business. Uh, sell, sell, buy, buy. Contaminated work. soils. Yeah, he's doing something. Um, so because Roger's not here, I would like to announce that I'm drinking Green Beaking and Seven Bells Passion Fruit Gose. It's a wonderful beer, that, John. It's really uh, refreshing. If anyone's uh, hot and bothered like we are in the shed today, it's a good, refreshing beer. I have run out of wedding champagne. It's over. For those who have... Um, who've journeyed with me through the last six months <laughs> it's been wonderful um the feeling i got when i when i reached into the dark abyss that is the box of wedding champagne and realized it was butts full of spiders and cobwebs alas my joy is over are you gonna buy any uh, christmas champagne i was thinking of buying another box of audi cheap champagne <laughs> for christmas <laughs> and then not telling anyone and just keeping it in the shed <laughs> so today i'm drinking north Pale Ale n- Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an Audi beer. It was an Audi beer, and it cost me $14 for 16 beers. Some of that. Do or reckon- 16 for four, what, whatever, that's cheap. Do you reckon we could get sponsored by Audi? Well, yeah, what, we, we should be sponsored s- by loads of people. Yeah. What else do we bang on about? Uh, the Premier League. Let's get sponsored by the Premier League. <laughs> really? yes. Sports bet. And the Wiggles. And the, do we? When you were singing the Wiggles earlier, what yeah. was the Wiggles song? John, that was a private conversation. I want to hear the Wiggles song. No. <laughs> it's about cleaning teeth or something. But anyway, we are the Football Shed. Uh, we occasionally sing Wiggles songs, but we generally talk about football each week here in Jeff's Shed, hence the name Football Shed. Um, it is a seasonal shed that has no protection from the weather, so today it's about 55 degrees in here and it's very sweaty. Um, you can find us for those in in winter climates right now. So I know that um, you know England's cold, yeah. North America's, Ireland's cold. It's cold, yeah. right? However, <laughs> here it's not. It's, it's really fucking hot, it's really and it's hard to imagine that when you're in a cold place. So I just want you to try because fuck, it's just so hot. <laughs> it's so hot. I'm so sweaty. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Um, if you do enjoy it, give your mates uh, a nudge and tell them to listen to it. Give us a review. Subscribe to the podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com um, or just find us on Facebook or Instagram. Just search Football Shed. Now, every week we start with a question, which I reckon Jeff's going to win this week because only Jeff's in. But this week's question <laughs> is about Mo Salah. Okay. Who scored this morning in the Champions League for Liverpool. Is it, why is he so sad? No, that's another question I'm going to ask later on. If mummy loves me, why is she so cold? It's true. But Mo Salah has played 18 Champions League games for Liverpool. How many goals has he scored? 18. No. Is that more? Have I taken the sting out of this? gone too high. Uh, 17. (laughs) 13. 13. Which is still an impressive record, I reckon. It's a really good record. Yeah, I think uh, considering he's not playing up front and they've gone... He's only played 18 games and they've played big games. To score 13, I think it's pretty impressive. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why is he so sad? I don't know. He looks so sad. (laughs) So, we, uh, for anyone at home, we all went away to Adelaide this week and watched... Uh, cricket because cricket's an awesome sport and then we watched uh, the Liverpool-Bournemouth game on Saturday evening and Mo Salah scores a hat-trick after every goal he looked miserable so sad I don't know I I, I feel like he's usually so happy he's a happy guy I'm convinced that like there was stuff going on in the World Cup around like 
parliament getting involved, governments in Egypt getting involved and him meeting certain people and stuff. I'm convinced there's something going on in the background that is not nice. And I don't know what. But, but um, so last year, one of the things I liked about him most was he was so. I mean, obviously, he scored loads of goals. And I thought it was the best footballer of the yeah. year. But apart from that, he was a happy bloke. He, he and, looked like he was just enjoying playing football. Loved it. And it's just so sad to see him so sad. Yeah. I want to give him a cuddle. <laughs> Not, you know, like yeah. that, but a cuddle. Yeah. Well, he scored this morning. He's his goal this morning. Yeah, I did, but he still looked sad. Yeah. And he scored an incredible goal in the Champions League to make sure Liverpool got through the group stage. And he just walked off staring at everyone. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, there was a... Um, Gary Lineker uh, tweeted this week and said, oh, you know, he's not sure that smiling after scoring is mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, fair yeah, enough. Just true. scoring is, is your job. I just think it's it's um, it's only because of the contrast of the usual Mo Salah that, that makes, yes. me, makes me a bit concerned for him. At what point does someone say, are you okay? Yeah. We can all see there's something wrong, Mo. Yeah. Like, come on. And I find it weird that it hasn't really been pulled up massively in the media. Like, they've just said, oh, he's looking like his old self again. To me, he's not looking like his old self. He's, he's just looking- scoring goals. Yeah. And I wonder whether it's because people at the start of the season have gone, maybe Salah's not as good as he was. And in fact, he really is. And he's going, no, look at me. I am really that good. Oh, who knows? Maybe his dog's died. Possibly. <laughs> Has he got a dog? I don't know. He probably doesn't now, does he? Alexis Sanchez has lots of dogs. And he looks sad, and he too. Looks sad. Maybe they're all dead. <laughs> Did, are there something going on in England? Are all the dogs dying? Possibly. Is it Brexit? <laughs> they're yes. kicking them all out. Yes. Uh, back to Europe. It's a French bulldog. Back you go, kids. Back over the channel. Where's your visa? That's <laughs> true. Um, Jeff, because you're the only person here, you won the quiz. Wonderful. What game would you like to talk about first? Uh, the King is dead. Long live the King. Ooh. Man City lost a game of football. The robots lost. Just so wonderful. So <laughs> endlessly wonderful. I, I, I nearly cried with joy. It's brilliant. And like good on for me, good on Chelsea for sticking to their guns and Sari not going, oh, I've got to play Kante in defensive midfield like everyone tells me to do. No, he stuck to his guns and played Jorginho in the middle and they won. Can't say they were the better team. It was all Man City in that first half. But once Chelsea got their goal, they controlled the game. And I thought they were really good. David Luiz was brilliant, which a week ago he was the worst player on the planet. This week, he's the best player on the planet. I absolutely agree. He was a very good defender and a productive outlet. Man City didn't do what teams have been doing against Chelsea for the last three weeks. They didn't just try and take Jorginho out of the game. They played their own game, as of course they would, because they have a blueprint to play their own game. But what they did is is it meant that uh, Chelsea could play through the middle of the park. And we've just seen for the last three weeks that the way to stop Chelsea playing through the middle, they will outpass you, even if you're Man City. They will outpass you if you don't cut them off at the source. And Man City almost... Is it arrogance or just being so cocksure that your own system is right? And don't get me wrong, their system is usually right. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. say that they were wrong. Saying that in their um, in their str- tactical stubbornness yeah. to be who they are, which is somewhat, some would say justified and admirable, they didn't do the thing that has been seen to work against Chelsea, and Chelsea won. It's the one and only thing that ever gets put against Pep that he's not perfect which he's pretty close to perfect is that he doesn't change his tactics like he has one way and he gets better at it and his plan b is be better at plan a whereas if you're playing chelsea it seems quite obvious like we're not experts it seems quite obvious stop Jorginho, you'd stop chelsea 
Yeah, it's 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 funny when you say that because he he's not ashamed of that either. Pep, I remember hearing Pep have a give an interview where he spoke about um, why Ibrahimovic didn't work in Barcelona, yeah. and he was saying that you know that everyone was saying that he needed Ibrahimovic because he was a plan B. It was like the way this Barcelona team play, the only thing it's missing is you know every now and then you want to play long balls and have someone up front who can knock yeah. it down. And he said, so what, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to buy a player that's not the same, that's not good enough or, or a different type of player to have them on the bench for every game but one in the season so I could bring them on with a half hour, now, half hour to have a plan B? Because you're idiots. Like, of course that's not what I'm going to do. My plan B is, is strategic changes and, and, yeah. and, and you know, my tactical mind, not just bringing on a lump and kicking it to him. Yeah. However, if he had a lump to kick it to, he probably would have done better in this game. Yeah. But you are right. Man City were the best team. Yeah. They... It was Chelsea's first corner of the game that they scored from. Yeah. But that's football. Yeah, that's and, the way it goes. And fuck off. <laughs> it's so good that they lost. Do you think Man City missed Aguero? Because they, they started with Sterling up front, and they didn't. so they didn't have Aguero. And Jesus has not been playing very well, so he was on the bench. And I, like, I think Sterling can play up front, and we've talked about him playing for England, playing up front with Harry Kane. And I've always got the idea he's not as good with his back to goal. He should be running at defenders and scaring them, running into those positions and getting into points where they, the defenders don't see him coming and he nicks in at the back post and taps it in. That's what Sterling does. When he's playing up front, he can't do that. So I think they missed Aguero in that game. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Jesus has looked so out of sorts this season. Mm. Like Again, it's a confidence thing. And, and you know I hate, absolutely hate, talking about football in emotions. Like, or is it is it his drive or his yeah. confidence or like I mean, yeah. come on, his experience. Yeah, or is he using all of his years of experience? There, you can see those years just oozing out of him. All of the experience he's showing, like it's, it's bullshit, really. All of that stuff, and we all know it. It's just when people don't have anything to talk about, they, they go, they talk about. Oh, you can see his his pride got him got him to that ball. Yeah, his pride made him run quicker. That's not true. You're an idiot. And so I hate thinking about Jesus being. You know, not looking like his head's in the game, or, yeah. but he has looked a bit off, and his runs are uh, more inconsistent, and he doesn't look like he's backing himself to get to the ball. And one of the um, things that was so special about him when he first came to the league was he would get his foot in front, he would get his head in front, he would be f- he would be first in, and now he's not. And I don't think everyone else has sped up, so there's only you know one conclusion you can draw from that. So yeah, they definitely missed Aguero. Um, yeah. Met Sterling was playing more central, so he's not as much of an outlet on the wing. I mean, it hasn't really mattered up until now whether they've lo- they haven't had a player. Yeah, no, it's always it's someone's just come in and replaced them, and it's been fine. But it's the first time you've looked at it and gone, "Oh, maybe they're a bit blunt without Aguero." Great, good. Yeah. Well, it's it's amazing for the league now that like Liverpool are top, haven't beat Bournemouth four one, like. It's amazing. So what are the stats? This is Liverpool's best start to a Premier League season ever. Best start to a football league season ever? In history. In history. Anyone's best start in history. No, so uh, I don't know that, but I know it's Liverpool's best start in history ever. And they've won the league 18 times in their history. So of the 18 previous times they won the league, they've never started this well. Jeez. And it is the best start in the Premier League ever. So any Man United team from the 90s or an Arsenal Invincibles team or whatever have never started as well as this Liverpool team. And yet, okay, so who's going to win the league? Man City. So what's going on? Well, <laughs> no, I've predicted Liverpool will win the league. My As soon as this happens, and I said this to you on the weekend, as soon as I saw this happen, and Liverpool play Man United at the weekend, and in two weeks they play Arsenal, and then in four weeks they play Man City. 
Man City have four winnable games. All their games are winnable, but should be pretty simple winnable games until they play Liverpool. I think Man City will be above Liverpool in the table when they play each other on the 3rd of January. And I think, because I think Liverpool will lose points against possibly Arsenal, possibly Man United. I just feel like the pressure suddenly turns. When you're top of the league, it's suddenly, everyone's suddenly going, oh, Liverpool can, a week ago, everything on the radio was Man City have won the league. It's over. It's it's already over. There was a whole, uh, the Guardian got every football writer to write a paragraph on how Man City have already won the league. And then the week after they lose. Now Liverpool are top of the league. Everyone's going to talk about Liverpool winning the league. They're likely to lose this week. I just, I mean, I do feel like Liverpool deserve to be spoken about because that's outrageous. They're, this will probably, you're probably right, this will be their week where everyone bangs on about them and that's probably fair. It is fair yeah. if it's the best start yeah. ever. You know, yeah. Let's give them their dues. Yeah. I feel sorry for them that they're at a time with Man City that are like this, but then also that kind of rivalry breeds perfection. It breeds it makes good each other better. And it makes uh, a Liverpool-Watford game exciting mm. because what's riding on it is not whether they can beat Watford, it's whether they can keep up or keep ahead. Yep. And that's like, it's almost like the last five games of a season already because the pressure is such that to lose two points, to lose three points yep. at this stage, it feels like that's the end of it. Yep. Man City have lost one game and we're questioning it. Yep. One game! That's the yep. first game they've lost all year. It's huge. And I... I think this could be the first season the first season last season was the first season we had anyone hit 100 points Man City 100 points I think we can have two teams hitting 100 points this year I think it will be the first and possibly only time and I can just see them literally winning every week and just going we have to win we have to win we have to win and it will push it will make both teams better and better and push them further and further it's certainly teeing up to be one of those seasons that you talk to your grandchildren about yeah you know yeah, in order to get carried yeah. away but just like the Leicester season when you see it start to happen you're like something's going on here which is very different to norm yeah no, wherever, wherever norm is um, Liverpool just smashed Bournemouth Oh, they walked all over Bournemouth. Bournemouth weren't even there. Do you know Bournemouth have lost five out of the last six games? Really? They had, like they're still sat at eighth in the league, which is great. Well done. But they've lost. Um, they lost four in a row. Then they won last week, and then they've lost to Liverpool. And losing five out of six—that's relegation form. Like if they lose another three or four in a row, suddenly they can plummet down that league very quickly. If only teams got points taken away from them for losing. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> we'll just have a massive gap in the league. <laughs> yeah, so like when Bournemouth oh, lose a game, they get a, like you, a point taken away from them. If you lose three in a row, because that's really shit, you get lose a point. And get a red card. That <laughs> 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 you have to use in the next game. You start the next game with ten players. You've been crap. You're yeah, fucked. and your third choice keeper. Yes. Um, before we move <laughs> off... <laughs> Before we move off the top of the league, we need to mention the Raheem Sterling abuse that happened. Um, I've seen the video of the four guys shouting at Raheem Sterling. And as two white men sat in Australia, it's not our place really to talk about how to deal with racism or whatever. But the abuse that he was getting, whether whatever the words were used was gross. Like, watching it, it was horrible. And if you remove that scenario and put it in the high street, you would just be like, this is disgusting, arrest those people. Like, it was proper horrible and uncomfortable to watch. And you could see Raheem Sterling shrink a bit when this abuse was thrown at him. And it was just 
ugly. But what Raheem Sterling's, one, his reaction in the very moment of just being completely professional, not reacting. If it was me, I would have just, I would have done an Eric Cantona and just gone straight over the fence and just gone, fuck you, I'm punching you in the face. Um, he was completely calm about it. He went about it in the right way. He went to the referee after the game and said, this is what happened. And then the next day he's gone on social media and he hasn't gone... He could easily berate those four people and he could easily just go, these guys are horrible, this is what they said, I don't like it, this is gross. He didn't. He went, what I've seen in the media has made those guys in a position where they think it's okay to say this. And he's got, turned it back on the media and gone, what you're portraying is wrong and is causing this to happen. Um, he used the example of two Man City youth players, one black, one white. And they're both in the youth team, they're both have played very minimal games for Man City one of them the white guy bought a house for his mum for two million pounds and everyone was like oh what a nice guy the black player bought a house for his mum and everyone was like oh this guy's got too much money look at him splashing the cash and he used that as an example of two guys that are in the youth team at Man City who are basically exactly the same but the media has portrayed it as two completely different scenarios and that's the stuff that gets into people's brains and that's the stuff that subconsciously makes people just go, it's okay to be racist. It's okay to look down on this person. And so I, it's horrible, but I just want to say well done to Raheem Sterling for the way he's handled himself in it. And I think he gets so much crap and so much abuse and he's always handles it with a smile on his face and calmly, which is impressive. So. Yeah, I think that's well said, John. And I've got, if I'm going to add anything... Um, as you say, two white guys in Australia, we, we don't have much of substance to, mm. to, to add to this debate yeah. because in, in essence, that's... We're the problem. That's patronising. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not real. I, I can't empathise. Yeah. I don't know what it's like. Uh, but what I can see is, uh, is that this isn't just a problem with Chelsea Football Club. This is a problem in our world right now. Yeah. And the, the media bias that's been, you know, laid bare by this incident with Raheem Sterling go goes beyond football and it goes to cultural differences it goes to local politics it goes to what's happening in the UK what's happening yeah. in, in the world yeah. I'd say yeah. you know we live in a country with an incredible uh, disconnect to its own racial problems yeah. um, and that that's mirrored all over the world and it and it's fueled by the media and I actually think that what we've seen is not the we're not looking at the the tip of something here and going oh we'll look at we're just looking at how it can be expressed in public yeah. which means that this incident with Raheem Sterling puts a microscope on something which is a wider issue in a environment that is a globally observed environment so i would hope that this kind of situation is so big because of the global viewing numbers that it can't get brushed under the carpet yeah. and and if nothing else I would love that to be a positive. Yeah. But no one should have to go through that to get a positive result. No, no. And I think it's good that the conversation is happening. It's bad that the conversation has to happen, but it's good that the conversation is happening. Um, I was listening to the BBC um, today and Neda Manua was on, who used to play for QPR and Man City and stuff. And he was asked... Was it around when you made his debut 15 years ago? And he's like, yeah, it was around. Um, but it's more challenged now. So it was around, but it was brushed under the carpet and ignored. Whereas much more now it is getting seen and it's being talked about when it does happen. So that's a good thing. 
Um, well, look, what's happened in the NFL in the United States, what's happened with the kind of the Colin Kaepernick take a knee protest, yeah. that's, it, it's a reflection on the same, yeah. you know, these are the same conversations that are happening. It's not just media bias yeah. there, it's the way the police act. Yeah. You know, the police in the UK, I would like to think, yeah. don't act in the same way. They yeah. don't have guns, they don't shoot yeah. people, but I'm sure they have the same, some of the yeah. same, you know, who knows. Yeah. But, um, you know, p- perhaps there is room now in the Premier League for a player-led rebellion like there has been in the NFL because the yeah. conversation that that started is a very valuable conversation yeah. and we're in we're in a time where things like the me too movement and these conversations when they start right now if they gather enough pace then you can't ignore them yeah. and almost the act of trying to ignore them ignites the conversation further yeah. and it, and if there was a uh, some kind of public player-led protest in the Premier League, it would be a global conversation. And I'm not saying that it's the player's responsibility. I'm saying no. this stuff shouldn't happen anyway. Yeah, yeah. But there has been a, a trend set in the United States where it proves that you can have this conversation and you yeah. can have it with pride. And that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Raheem Sterling did a wonderful job of the way he reacted. But the whole thing's a fucking it's piece gross. of crap. Yeah, it's horrible. Let's move on back to the football. Um, I've decided, as a bold bloke in Australia... That the Premier League is now three leagues in one. Okay, talk, talk to me. So we have the top five. Yep. So there's Liverpool, Man City, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal. Then we have the middle eight, which is now headed by Man United. Now, as a Man United <laughs> fan, creating a league where the middle eight is and that we might win may be seen as a little biased. But, um, and then so Man United down to Brighton. And then we have the bottom seven from Cardiff to Fulham. And I actually don't mind that the league's that disparate because it means the majority of games have something riding on them. Like, the middle eight will get boring towards the end of the season because they can't go up or down, and they'll just sit there. But I like the fact that it's kind of... Like, this Cardiff and Burnley won at the weekend. Um, Burnley hadn't won in ages and scraped a 1-0 win of Brighton. Cardiff beat Southampton 1-0. Do you know the guy who scored for Cardiff, Patterson? Yeah. He is a right-back playing up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, have you seen a picture of him with his mo? No. He's got a cheesy mo and he looks like he's from the 70s and he looks like he's 35. He's only 23. But he's wow. worth, worth Googling at home. Good on Neil Warnock. I mean, they were everyone's tip to go down. And, and look, they're sitting pretty in 14th. I, I like that you've divided it up like that because it gives you know us us mid-table fans, John, um, something to latch on <laughs> I'm to. Not, I'm because, not in the same group. Because winning the mid-table, you win, a, you win a European place. It's like winning the league, isn't it? Um... <laughs> It's funny because for anyone who isn't emotionally invested in that middle table, I don't think it's easy to understand how you put yourself through it. No. Like why why in an Australian time zone would you get up at 2 in the morning or would you get up at yeah. 4.30 in the morning yeah. to watch uh, Bournemouth versus Wolves? Unless you were a Bournemouth fan or a Wolves fan. Yeah. Apart from that, you'd look at that game and you think it was the it's biggest pile of horse shit. And you look at the, the league table and you go, but if you're invested in those teams, like... Both of us, John, are in this this mid table sledge fest, yeah. Yeah. which I think is quite exciting. I'm just going to throw it out there, and <laughs> and when I <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the Everton um, Watford game. Yeah, so they played on the <laughs> Monday night game, didn't they? So Tuesday morning here, chaos. Yeah, it was absolute chaos. So did, you, did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Absolute loony basket of a game. So Everton go one nil up with an offside goal. Yeah. It wasn't offside, but. The footballing wonder brain that is Theo Walcott unnecessarily touched the ball whilst he was in an offside position. And thank fuck the linesman didn't see it because you'd look back on that and go, 
you deserve to be put down for your brain. So VAR would have called it offside. Would have, would have been offside. Yeah. Okay. So, so he just touched it. He was standing in off by offside position. A through ball went, which should have just gone straight past him. Yeah. Touched it and then kept the pass going. You're like, what are you doing? Oh, you're get you're, away, you're, get you're away, get such away. an idiot. Yeah. Um, however, Cross came in. Charles scored. Great. Scored against his old club. Loved it even more because he celebrated like yeah. he'd won the lottery. He didn't go, oh, I can't celebrate. No, yes. like, it was so brilliant. And then uh, Everton played really well first half. Second half, Watford were brilliant. Yeah. Um, they scored two goals in the space of three minutes. And then Sigerson got a penalty, missed the penalty, and then in the 95th minute, uh, Lucas Digne stepped up and scored a free kick in the top corner to get to salvage 2-2. Good game. Chaos. Yeah. However, one thing that um, that I thought was really interesting, so, so we watch a lot of football, and I think yeah. we've watched a lot of football for a lot of years. Yeah. It's rare that you see something tactically that stands out to you and yeah. stands out as something that changes the way you would set up your own yeah. side. And watching um, Isaac's success for Watford, by the way, what a name! It's the best, best name of all time. <laughs> what a name! He's a big bloke, yeah. And what like he was uh, just like bustling with um, with Mina the whole yeah. game, and that was a bit of a liability. Yeah. Mina probably should have been sent off at one point, <laughs> but then Mina earned the penalty. Like Mina's yeah. a he's a he's, a he's like a cross between Bambi and an MMA fighter. <laughs> um, but anyway, watching so what ha- the way that they set themselves up was it was a four four two. But Dini was at the head. Dini yeah. was so it was basically four four one one. Yeah. Dini okay. played up front. Isaac's success played just behind him. Yeah. But they didn't stay left and right. So every time Everton attacked, so obviously they've done their homework yeah. and Everton attacked with fullbacks. Yeah. Fullbacks that overlap. If you're on one side, it's Coleman and um, Walcott, yeah. and it goes back to Coleman. He puts it in the ball. If the other side, it's Bernard and Digne. Yeah. We do it every time. Sometimes attack with both fullbacks. So what you would see is as soon as one of the fullbacks went forwards for Everton yeah. Troy Deeney went back to, to help defend from the front but Isaac's success went either left or right to the space that the fullback had vacated yeah okay and then by doing that he was the available player yeah. so he was available player with space in front of him and, but, and you can see him all yeah. game just like crossing from yeah. side to side and he wasn't part of a defensive unit so he didn't have to do any defensive. he had no other responsibility yeah. so, so all he did was he'd look and say okay Seamus Coleman's bombing forward I'm going to stand in Everton's right back spot yeah. so when we win possession I'm the outlet ball everyone knows where it's going and then Troy Deeney can run up the front that's awesome it worked so well yeah. and for a, probably a 25 minute spell in the second half Everton barely touched the ball yeah. And every time they went forward and tried to counter, there was this re-counter back on Everton's yeah. fullback space, which was just so effective yeah. that it makes me... I was watching it, I was like, well, maybe this is this is the next phase to attacking fullbacks. We've seen... We didn't have attacking fullbacks when we were kids. We had no. a left-back and a right-back. They just stood there. Every now and then you had a wing-back, but yeah. they probably played in front of a left-back yeah. or in front of a wide-back. <laughs> yeah. It was just like a defensive four yeah. or two. But we've seen in the last seven, eight years... The, the role of the attacking fullback, you know, you look at your Carl Walkers and you, it's a huge component of football. And I, I watched that and I almost saw the next evolution of, of what it is to be a left back and right back because you actually now have to cover that space. Because if they can have a roaming player expose it, you're doomed. I, I've talked a lot about the fact that I think the two strikers up front is going to come back into fashion more and more. And that's kind of the scenario you're thinking about because it means that they've got your defense have got to think about something like so often it is your fullbacks attack and then the defensive team go oh we've got to cover them why not just go well yeah go, go attack but I'm going to go and stand in that space you've just left absolutely and then, right as soon as we get the ball I'm free and if we're playing two banks of four 
Those banks of four, when they're defending the attack from the attacking team, they can be very tight, very narrow, very organised, yeah. and they know they've got an outlet ball, yeah. and they know by the players that have advanced where the outlet ball is. You don't have to think they about it or it. look or anything. That's it. Are they defending the on the left or the right-hand side of the pitch? If so, there's space on the left or the right-hand yeah. side of the pitch. They, they will know it. So it's a really, really... Um, it was really good to watch and I was quite satisfied by that. Yeah. Apart from the game being fucking bonkers, yeah. I was really satisfied with, with watching that tactic unfold. I want Isaac's success to be really good. Partly because of his Go name. Go on, say it, John. You wanted him to be a success. Yeah, I want him to be a success, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, he came to Watford from um, Udinese, which is, oh, so they're owned by the Pozzo family as well. So he did a loan there and did really well. And then kind of came to Watford for free or for a dodgy fee or whatever. they, However they work, their players moving between. And there was a lot of fun fanfare around him. And he was only 19 at the time. And he is six foot three, six foot four, quick as, strong. If he can learn to finish, which he hasn't learned yet, he's going to be brilliant. And he's still only 21, 22. If he can get his finishing down. And Troy Deeney was out for three or four weeks. And he led the line without Troy Deeney whilst he was out. And did really well. Deeney came back in and he got dropped to the bench. But then I think they've realised, hang on, we can play them together. And imagine playing against Troy Deeney and Isaac's success. That's scary. Well, you're watching it. I was, watch- yeah. I was watching, Um, as I say, Mina was lucky to stay on the pitch because that's what he's up against. And success is all elbows when he wants to be. Yeah. Can I just say that Troy Deeney is one of my favourite players of all time? He's awesome. I just love watching him yeah. play. He's so happy, angry. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're like he's he's satisfied with his lot. He's positively aggressive. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But he's so aggressive, and he's he's such a he's like built like a shit house. Yeah, and and you can see it, and and yet give him a sniff. He's like a he's like a 1960s striker playing in the modern world, yeah. and he doesn't care. But he really enjoys it. You can tell he's having a lot of fun, and he's played in every division. He's come up all through the ranks. And I love him. I absolutely love him. Um. On well, before you move off Watford, any other middle? I was going to say, do you want to talk about West Ham, who are in the, who are now in that middle eight, who were in the bottom because we kept giving them a hard time. Welcome to the dog fight. Welcome to the middle eight. <laughs> That's the real league. That's what everyone cares about. Teams are. Um, yeah, I do. I think that um, we spent the first six weeks of this year's season pretty much ripping West Ham to shreds every yeah. week and they're sitting on their their third I've win in a row flop of the year their flop of the year yeah. third win in the row and I tell you they play good football um, I couldn't believe Snodgrass is still alive I thought he yeah. I thought he died years ago yeah, yeah. Um, excellent Snodgrass goal excellent Anderson free kick the best goal of the game I think was Hernandez because he was so sharp to the rebound I think that was something that um uh, I think it was Mark Noble who gave an interview that said oh, no one's going to talk about uh, uh, Chikorito's goal yeah. because you, the others were so beautiful. But he's right. No one's going to talk about it. But actually, one of the, if everyone had the reactions or the or the ability yeah. to snuff out play like Chikorito, we would see a lot more goals yeah. because those opportunities when you when you free kick goes in and the keeper parries it away, they happen every game, and they just not everyone has a Chikorito. Chikorito is one of, and he's always been a brilliant finisher. He's an old school like six yard box striker. He's a Gary Lineker. Like he's never going to score a wonder goal, but he will be first to that ball and he'll put it in the net however he needs to. The thing that I'm like I'm not a big fan of Pellegrini. Uh, yeah, whatever. Waterboy. Um, and I've said that a lot on here. 
The thing he has managed to do, though, is he's kept Chikorito interested, and now he's getting games and scoring goals. He's kept Snodgrass interested, and he's getting games and scoring goals. And suddenly there's competition for places. There's like, oh, if when Arnautovic is back, does he start ahead of Chikorito or not? And then you suddenly, your whole team gets that little bit better because there's competition. Jack Wilshere has disappeared. He got injured and he's out. But when he comes back, is he going to get in the team? No. no chance. Andy Carroll was back. Yeah. Um, do you know, Chikorito has now, of the players who have only ever scored in the penalty area, yeah. he is second in Premier League history. So they've never scored a goal outside? The, yeah. Who's the first? Guess. Uh, Premier League. James Vaughan? Tim Cahill. Jeff just pointed at a James Vaughan shirt then. I was like, James Vaughan scored one goal ever. And <laughs> that was probably from outside the box. Um, Tim Cahill. Tim, Tim, Tim Cahill yeah. never scored a goal from outside the box. Never scored the goal from outside the box. Not for Everton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, and he's at the top in Premier League history. Um, I think you're right. Jack Wiltshire won't get back in the side. I think that they have balance. They're playing an attractive type of football. I'm not going to go so emotional and saying they're playing the West Ham way, John. But I'm going to say if you were a West Ham fan and you've been starved of joy for as long as they have, you would be very, very pleased by what's going on right now. West Ham play Fulham away next week. Now, Fulham are bottom of the league, but having a mini revival, I guess, under Ranieri, playing a bit better. They could go up to eighth. But yeah, if they win another two or three in a row, suddenly they're making progress right up that league. The thing is, John, in the Premier League, if you win games, you get more points. Really? And if they keep winning games, they're just going to keep getting points. That's good to know. (laughs) Um, Can we just touch on Man United for a second? Oh yeah, well, sure. I love talking about Man United. <laughs> only, I'm only going to touch on them because yeah. I think that it's it's nice to underline that Romelu Lukaku scored a goal at Old Trafford. Yes, for the first time in 997 minutes. Now, there's been a lot of stats flying around about his goal drought, yeah. and I've just picked one okay. that I'd like to share with you, John Hewitt. Okay, I'm really excited. In the time it's taken between Romelu Lukaku to score his most recent goal and his last goal at Old Trafford, yeah. Man City have scored 83 times. Oh, God. <laughs> that's a really depressing stat. Ugh. Yeah, that's, apart from Rashford had a smile on his face. Apart from yeah. that, I'm done with this. Yeah, Man Night one one which was nice. Is there any other Premier League games you want to talk about? Or do you want to have a quick chat about the Champions League from this morning? Yeah, do it. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I watched the Spurs... Who did they play? Barcelona um, game this morning. Um, suddenly getting really hot in here. Um... Spurs needed to equal or better the Inter result against PSV. Um, and Spurs played brilliantly, but Dembele scored a wonder goal in the seventh minute or whatever. And at that point, you kind of think, it's all over. Inter are always going to beat PSV. But then PSV score and go a goal up um, and end up drawing. And it takes an 85th minute goal from Lucas Moura comes off the bench for Spurs to get them through. I... One, Spurs just drew with Barcelona to get through in Champions League. Super impressive. Two, they've not signed a single player. Three, they're better than they were last year. I'm convinced you don't need to sign players to get better. Like the going on about media rhetoric earlier, the media tells you, oh, I need players, need players, or people, managers come out, oh, I need money to spend. I need Actually, maybe just focus on improving what you have and make them better. Spurs is a young side. They get better every year without fail. They're going to get better. They're coached well. And they keep getting a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, I'm just super impressed with Pochettino. I think it's brilliant. 
I do. Can we just like take a minute and think back to when Spurs first qualified for the Champions League and they played Inter Milan? Do you remember when Gareth Bale yeah. went on a With Harry Redknapp in charge? So Who, there... side, sorry, side note: Harry Redknapp just won. Um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here in the UK. Topical news, John. Yeah, I'm, I'm a news feed. Have you watched any of that? No. Did you hear that? Uh, <laughs> so this is big news in Australia, right? Uh, you know that Freddie Flintoff won the, the Australian Austrian. version. Yeah. Um, now, I've only read the news articles, but I think it was on a BBC podcast yeah. that, that he said this. Do you know he cheated? Yes, I did. He came out and cheated. So yeah. when you go on, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. You got to do a few things. You got to like write a form about yeah. who you are. I'm sorry if I'm repeating this. I haven't, I haven't no, heard, no, no, heard yeah. from the horse's mouth. I just read the article because it's causing uproar because yeah. he cheated in yeah. reality TV. So he said he was a smoker and he yeah. needed five a day. And he also said that he was afraid of frogs. He doesn't mind frogs. Yeah. So his first challenge was they threw a bunch of frogs on his head, and he was like, oh, "I've got this. Yeah. Oh, I'm all right." And so five times a day, they let him out of the "I'm a Celebrity" cab to have a cigarette, which he never had, and they had a water cooler. So yeah. he had nice fresh water and a bit of alone time five yeah. times a day. This is what I I heard the podcast. He was talking about this, and he would go out for his cigarette, and he'd get it and they'd obviously they'd leave it they'd just leave a cigarette and a lighter and he'd just stand there and he said for him it was just about having that five minutes a day to himself five times a day because you're always on camera always being watched he's like I can't deal with that the whole time so he made up that he was a smoker to get some fresh air and a bit of alone time each day whilst he was there he saw there was a medical tent and he was like, oh, there's a medical tent thing, cap, uh, hut over there. And he had a look and saw there was a water cooler inside. And he picked the putty out of the window so that he could open, pull the window no. out and steal water. And so he was getting water five times a day. Rather than having a cigarette, he was getting a fresh glass of water. Oh, that is so brilliant. It's so good. Um, sorry, anyway, just kind of track back to when... Um, when Spurs and Inter played that game in their first year in like this modern Spurs era in the Champions League and how impressive it was that they got a result and how much everyone was, was in it. Now they're going away to the new camp, needing a result, getting the result they need. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, a whole new world. Yeah. And they've, like talking about Liverpool having their best start to a season ever, Spurs are having their best start to a season ever. They've won the league, I don't know, four or five times in their history. Um, and they're doing brilliantly. And... Going under the radar again. I just, it, like the fanfare of football, it annoys me when in reality it's just about playing football, coaching players to be better, players improving at what they're doing and getting better at it. It, it really is. The, the, as you say, the fanfare, the circus that surrounds it. You know, it's just 11 blokes. And if you coach 11 blokes well, that's why you get these cup games when the minnows can beat the, you know, the top teams because it's just 11 blokes out there and if you have put a lot of mindset into this, oh, there's there's another one, mindset. He's got a good mindset. <laughs> if you put a lot of mindset into it, and basically you get your tactics right, you're disciplined, you can do a good job. And if, if Pochettino is able to do that to this young Spurs side and they grow up getting their tactics right and being disciplined and being hard workers, then they're going to yeah. do a good job. Um, and Liverpool got through as well, which we've kind of mentioned through Salah's goal. So can, we, can we now call him Mo Sada? Most yes, 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 yeah. Until he's happy. Until he's happy that he's Mo happy happier. <laughs> <laughs> um, next weekend, um, the early game is Man City versus Everton. Oh dear. Um, by your reaction, I presume you don't think you're going to get anything out of this. Well, uh, usually I'm confident. But I'm not. They're playing in the Champions <laughs> League tomorrow morning. So it just doesn't matter. They've got about five teams that are that are better than us. The um, 
one thing that they're I... They're on a losing streak. They're on a losing streak. Thank <laughs> goodness for that. Like, one of the things I brushed over in my analysis of the of the Watford game is Everton weren't very good. Yeah. Like, it was a chaos game of football and Watford had tactics that were better than Everton's, but Everton were not good. It's good to play poorly and not lose. Yeah, last year you would have lost that 2-0. And, and they, gone, they played better against yeah. Liverpool than lost, but... I just think that against Man City, we've, we've just got no hope. Um, the last few weeks, Pickford's even looked a bit shaky. His distribution's still excellent, but he's he's let in a few goals that he shouldn't have. Someone uh, said on the radio this week that uh, it was brilliant that Jordan Pickford threw the ball back into the game against Liverpool because now we wouldn't have Liverpool top of the league if he'd never done that. So we thank Jordan Pickford for making a title race. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah, it's exactly right. Um, You're next, welcome. The other big game <laughs> next week is... Liverpool against Man United. Now, this is the perfect game for Jose Mourinho to go and spoil the party and get a result. You know he loves spoiling parties. He's the ultimate party. He's the anti-clown. <laughs> he is the anti And Klopp can be a bit of a clown. So it's the perfect... Oh. But I like Liverpool have just had a massive game against Napoli midweek. And Man United... Um, we play Valencia tomorrow in a dead rubber. Um, so we're already through. So I think Jose Mourinho is just going to come, turn up, set up shop, and defend, 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 and not worry about anything. And 1 0, 0. There's going to be no more than three goals in that game. I think it's going to be 1 0, 0 0, or 1 0. Precise predictions there, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Mourinho should watch what Watford did and look for Robertson or Alexander Arnold flying up the wing and attack the space. Yeah. Because who knows? I mean, I don't want United to win. I want Liverpool to win. I want. I can't believe it, but I. I just want to. I want to see this Man City side humbled. Yeah. I just. It's like watching someone beautiful cry. I want that. <laughs> I want to see. I. Re, I want to see someone who's just done their hair, done their eyelashes, wearing nice heels on the way to the races, fall in a puddle. <laughs> cover themselves in mud not in a sexy way in a really horrible way and then realise they've also broken their phone and can't get an Uber so they have to walk home in front of everybody that's what I want to happen to this Man City team I like seeing beauty crushed um, yeah that's fair enough Liverpool really are the uh, people's team aren't they this year this year um, do you have any side stories you wanted to talk about yeah this week I've um, I've been a bit football hipster I've discovered a few uh, two young players who I want to talk about Okay. So first, a, a young Everton player and a young United player that I want to. If we were going to have a section, like a, a segment, something yeah. like a segment, yeah. I, I would have a jingle and it would be ones to watch. Okay. So shall I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones to watch. We need a better jingle. Can't we just go ones to, to watch. watch? Yeah, okay. It's pretty good. So on this week's <laughs> ones to watch list. We have two players. Firstly, uh, an Everton player called Ellis Sims, who's 17. And secondly, I can't pronounce his name very well, very well but it's Shola Shortier. Yeah. Okay, I'll first talk about the uh, 17-year-old Everton kid. So he's been playing youth football for Everton. Now, in the last 17 games, he has risen through the ranks. Um, currently, he has 18 goals and 10 appearances for the under 18s he has two goals and one appearance in the FA Youth Cup six goals and three Premier League Cup under 18s appearance one goal and one Premier League International Cup appearance one goal and one Lancashire Senior Cup appearance and one no goals in one appearance for the Checker Trade Trophy so that 
makes 28 goals in 17 games. And the Checker Trade Trophy is the under-23s? It's like the cup that yeah. everyone but the Premier League plays. Yeah. Um, now, he's now playing in Unsworth's under-21s, and yeah. we will see him in the Premier League in the coming weeks, in my opinion. He yeah. will be on the bench because he is a big unit. What's his name? His name is Ellis Sims. And he plays up front? He he's, plays up front. Is he a local like Evertonian? Local man? lad, been part of the youth squad. Yeah. I... Ones to watch, <laughs> Ellis Sims for Everton. Second, and probably more impressive, is a is a chap called Shola Shortree. Shortree, Shortire. He's fourteen. <laughs> One for the future. One for the future. However, he currently plays uh, under under 14s level. However, he's just been called to United's youth league squad. So and he plays for Man United. Plays for Manchester United. Yeah. He's been called to the Europa youth league squad. So he's been playing in the Europa youth league, which I didn't even know existed. But you yeah. get entry you, to it when you're in the Europa league. Yeah. So if you're in the Champions League, your youth team plays against exactly the same teams in the youth version. And okay. Same for the Europa league. Now he's played in the under 16s, the under 18s, and he's going to play in Nicky. But you know, Nicky yeah, Butt hosted yeah. the under 21s. Yeah, 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 he's coaching under 21s. He's 14. That's ridiculous. And when you look at him, he looks like a child. <laughs> like a, he is a, child. a real child. <laughs> he doesn't even look like a big unit like Lukaku did when Lukaku yeah. was 14. He is a tiny, tiny, tiny child. <laughs> and, and he plays tacking left, right, midfield, and centre forward, and okay. he's 14. Wow. So, again, we're looking at someone who, way before their time, is already making an impact. At under twenty one, and you remember like under twenty ones, you know Michael Carrick played in the under twenty ones when he was coming back from injury. Yeah. He's, he's playing with proper Pros. players, and he's fourteen years old. Wow! So they're my two ones to watch. Wow! We will uh, we will return to ones to watch. Yeah, that was really you did really well there. John. Did I do all right? Yeah, was that a good impression. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, later in the season, um, something I wanted to touch on is the A League expansion. So the meeting happened today. Oh. So if anyone's on the inside and knows, they'll know what's happening. But it gets released tomorrow. So the idea is that they will have two more teams um, added to the A League next season. It's out of Macarthur, Southwest Sydney, the Southern expansion from Sydney, Team at Eleven, which is Melbourne area, Dandenong Way, South Melbourne, which is an existing um, NPL team, the West Melbourne Group, and Canberra. So they're the six, is that six? Correct, yep. Um, So they're the six expansion ones. So two of them tomorrow. The general theory is that it'll be Team 11 and MacArthur South West Sydney is the idea that it will, because it will add the, you've got the numbers in Melbourne and Sydney and it will add the extra derbies and stuff. I think it's brilliant. Like, I love it. I I can't wait for it to happen. Um, There's even a movement to have the A-League go from 10 up to 14 straight away. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, one team that I, I really don't want to to get through is South Melbourne. Yeah, okay. So South Melbourne, for those that don't know their the history of Australian football, which I assume is most people, because <laughs> why would you? Uh, South Melbourne were Oceania Club of the Century. Yes, so in when, the 2000s. In the year 2000. So when Real Madrid got European Club of the Century, Oceania Club of the Century was South Melbourne, mm. because that was before the NSL, what was it called back then? Yeah. The, um, the whatever the Australian uh, Soccer League ASL before that was disbanded it was disbanded because there were lots of racial issues so when the teams were formed in Australia they were formed in communities and as such a historically migrant nation communities were 
often had a had a heritage that belonged to a different nation. Mm. So South Melbourne were a Greek side. Yeah. Now there was lots of um, back in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. There was lots of problems between these teams because it was very racially charged. It was the Greeks against the Serbs, yeah. and and because of that, it was a really bitter taste. Yeah. And you couldn't play for these clubs unless you were Greek. Yeah. Unless you could show your heritage. Yeah. South Melbourne. They've evolved since then. And they now play in the league below the A-League. Remember, there's no promotion and relegation. Yeah. But they, they play in that league, but they still retain their... They love their heritage. Yeah. They're, they're proud of that heritage. And rightly so. Now, the, what they have going for them is they have a women's team already. Yeah. They have a youth set up, one of the best in the country. They have their own stadium that they have a 100-year lease on. Yeah. Um, so they have, they have a fan base. They have a, it's all, they have a structure They've got 6,000 members, yeah. which is more than Melbourne City some, yeah. some seasons. But... Um, However, I just think it's a bit of a step backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I'm all for it. I, I just want no Canberra team and no South Melbourne. Yeah, I think South Melbourne, if it's 14 teams or more, I think that's fine for South Melbourne to get involved. But I think as an expansion, I don't think that's the right step to take is add South Melbourne. Agreed. By the time, knowing us and knowing my bets, by the time anyone listens to this, which will be tomorrow morning, Australia time, it will have been announced and it will be South Melbourne and Canberra. Yeah, probably. A <laughs> um, couple of quick things before we go on to your bets and end feature. Um, the MLS final happened and Atlanta won, who only existed for two seasons. Oh, I fucking love that. I just think it's great. Yeah, uh, They play in possibly the world's greatest stadium. If anyone's not seen the Mercedes-Benz Mercedes Stadium yeah. in Atlanta, Google it now. It is the best. It's so cool. And to think, in my eyes, they are the shining light of... Soccer in the United States. Yep. It proves that in a market like Georgia, mm. you can get 60,000 people coming to your ground every week. Premier League clubs don't get 60,000 every week. Yep. And the atmosphere has been critically spoken of as better than the NFL games that play there, better than the college football games that play there. It's amazing what they're doing. And to see such instant success, I mean, they've got the ex Barcelona coach. Don't yeah, they? Tata Martino. Yeah. So to see such success so early on should only ignite the spark in others looking to do that in the United yeah. States. And the future is so bright in that country for football. And I know it must feel, when everyone watches the Premier League, it must feel like we're never going to be as good. And we you know, look at it from afar here yeah. and have lots of experience in England. But in a, from a global level, if you're in one of the other Premier League markets, if you're sitting in Singapore or Malaysia or, or China... Or, and you look at the MLS, it's a model to follow. And and Atlanta winning couldn't... The only disappointment I've got in the results this year are New York Red Bulls not doing yeah. very well. I feel like they are... I mean, they've never won a final. Yeah, they've never actually won it, have they? And they've got to the semis, I can't yeah. remember how many times, endless. And Bradley Wright-Phillips... He deserves to win one at some point. He does. <laughs> he deserves to win something from somewhere. Like, he's done so well. And um, he's the most underrated English player outside of England. Yeah. But, uh, you know, too bad, so sad. Atlanta are a good team. Talking of uh, not underrated players, but rated players outside of England, Jaden Sancho uh, scored the winner for Dortmund against Schalke in Germany, which is a derby, which I didn't know until this game <laughs> happened. But apparently it's a big derby. Um, but Jaden Sancho played the whole 90 minutes, scored the winner, but also in the week previous to the game, his granite died. And he's 18 years old, living overseas away from his family. He lives with his dad. His dad lives over in Germany with him. Um, and they said, you can play or you don't have to play. And he's like, no, I really want to play. I really, really want to play. Um, and so he played, man of the match, scores the winner. And then he didn't play in the Champions League last night. 
because he went home to be with his family for a, his for a week and went to the funeral and stuff. And I was just like, that's bloody brilliant. Eighteen year old done. Amazing. There's so much I love about that. I love that Dortmund let him do that. Yeah, and remember, gave him the option. Remember when Mourinho didn't want. Uh, was it Martial? His kid wife was having a kid, yeah, and he, and he like, had a no. bitch about him. Yeah. I love that Dortmund said you can play or you can't, even though it's his grand. Yeah, like I'm not, oh, you know, I'm not. No, I'm, yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah, to stop yeah, that yes, comment, but yeah, it's his grand. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and the, then they went, you can miss a Champions League game. But you're basically our best player, yeah. and you can, well, you're not, but you know what yeah. I mean. You are yeah. top quality, and you can miss a Champions League game, so you can go back to the funeral and spend time with your family. I love that they've done that, and they're wondering so happy there, yeah. and they wonder that league is viewed on as a development league for some of these players to go I'm going to get out of being in Unsworth's under 21s yeah, yeah. when I can go do that and you know good on him have you heard that his value has gone up 800% since he signed to Dortmund wowzers like I to be honest I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of next season if he keeps going where he's going he's at a Barcelona or a Real Madrid like he, it, he's because Dembele did two years at Dortmund 120 million Barcelona I, I think he'll be the same my biggest disappointment would be if he comes back to England yeah and that's not because I don't want to watch him play I want to watch him play but I feel like he's already out you've already got out there's no need to put yourself in a, in the position of Raheem Sterling like yeah. he don't must, deal with that shit go Sancho out. must be looking at that going I don't get that Yeah, I get to go home Yeah, like uh, they love me here why yeah. would you deal with that yeah, no, I can see him at a Barcelona or Real Madrid within two or three years. Um, should we go on to an uh, end feature, Jeff? Have you got a song for us? Yeah, you ready? Oh, yeah, good. It's the same. No, it goes up, goes up this no. week. This oh, week, really? yeah, yeah, it goes up. Oh. Yeah, I feel like we should get a new instrument. Can you play other instruments or just the guitar? Do you want me to play that song on the drums? Oh no, yeah, it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> there is a drum kit in here. So last week we all bet on Everton. Yeah, and we all lost. So I think what we've learned from today or this week is that never bet on Everton because you will lose. Um, so, what have you bet on this week, Jeffer? So this week, no, I've not. I've not bet on Everton. <laughs> uh, this week, I have decided that I am actually embarrassed by my by my current losing streak. I think I have lost forever. And on the last five weeks, I've lost. I've included Everton in my bet. So there's there's a lot to be said for not betting on Everton. Yes. Um, I'm going to bet on Leicester to beat Palace at 275. That's nice. it. That's it. Good good bet. Uh, who's at home? Palace yes. are at home. Wow. You, you uh, pre-shed, you were talking about, you reckon Roy Hodgson might gone to. Do you reckon he's under pressure? John, you can't let the listeners know we have conversations pre-shed. Our only relationship exists on shed. We're, we're on shed people. <laughs> this is the only time we talk to each other. Do you yeah. reckon Hodgson could go? He's the next one out the door. I, I'm convinced he's the next one out the door. You... I don't want him to be. Yeah. I feel like he's an old man, and that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> life's hard, yeah. and it's no time to get sacked in your seventies. Yeah. Like no. shit. Um, but I do feel like they haven't found a solution to a problem everyone can see. Yeah. Everyone knows they can't score goals. Everyone knows they're all reliant on on Zaha. Everyone yeah. knows if you if you he is either going to win you a penalty because he's being marked so extremely, or he's not. Yeah. And Townsend is such an aimless, headless chicken, and he's the only other outlet they've got. Yeah. So I feel like we saw this in the summer and they didn't do anything about it. We can see it now, and we're not seeing players come up from the youth academy. We're he's not, not changing the formation not, or trying something new. He's not doing anything yeah. in the face of the most obvious problem in the Premier League right now. And you know he might get till January, but 
I don't think that they trust him with money because yeah. I just think he's gone. And I'm, yeah. so, I'm sorry to say it. No, that's right. Um, Roger has sent his bet in from while sniffing, sniffing some soil. Um, he's bet on Arsenal to beat Saints, Southampton, and Watford to beat Cardiff, both with over one and a half goals in the game because Roger likes to make it complicated because he's awkward. And that's paying $4.55. I don't think that's going to come in. I don't think Watford are going to beat Cardiff. No, I kind of I looked at that game and thought maybe Cardiff had got a chance there. So. I, th- I think Cardiff Watford was so up for the Marco Silva derby yeah. that it it was full of such energy and such bite that I think that no matter who, no matter who you are, you look at that Cardiff game after the Everton game and you think, okay, right, we can recoup a little here and not go a hundred percent. And I think that Cardiff won't let you do that. What I've bet on is I looked at all the games that don't involve teams that are playing in Europe this week. Okay. So they're basically all the boring ones at 3pm on Saturday. Yeah. And then I went for the two favourites that are playing at 3pm on Saturday that didn't play... Um, at home home favourites, sorry, that didn't play in Europe this week. And they happen to be Wolves and Watford. So they're paying... Wolves playing Bournemouth, Watford are playing Cardiff, and it's paying $3.30. Wow. You put a lot of thought into that to just lose. No, I remember this <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great, great bet, Jeff. Um, do you have anything else to add before we go? No, it's been great not having Rog here. I just feel like he doesn't add any positivity to our life, and you know, no. so no. It's, it's great. Yeah. Well, Rog will maybe be back next week. But... Maybe, maybe he'll send us an email. <laughs> Does he know how to email? No, I don't think so. No, he'll post. He'll fax us. <laughs> send us a fax. But um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week, and Roger maybe. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media. Just search Football Shed Podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review, preferably a five-star one on iTunes. Subscribe and tell your mates. Thanks, everyone. Bye.